This is Jedrick Wills, left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, and you're listening to the Browns Huddle Podcast. Enjoy the show. Go Browns, and welcome to the Browns Huddle Podcast. This is your host, Jason Hand. Here, coming to you live from Browns Huddle Studios. We are part of the Zedia Network. That's media spelled with a Z. Go check out everything Zedia Network has going on the web, www.zedianetwork.com. You can also find them on Twitter, at Zedia Network. Welcome to episode 30. (laughs) I can't believe we're – this is episode 30, folks. This podcast, the Brown Subtle Podcast, is for the fans, by the fans. You, the fan of the Cleveland Browns, is what makes this possible. I have weekly episodes. They usually drop every Thursday. We have all sorts of fans coming from Browns Twitter mainly. We also have sports media guys, players, former players. So this, this show is for you. You know, that's why I do this podcast is for the fans, of the Cleveland Browns. Do me a favor, hit the subscribe button. That will let me know to notify you on future episodes as they are released. You never know. The next episode could be starring you. We are about a week away from Christmas and we have a holiday promo going from t-shirthooligan.com. Go to t-shirthooligan.com for 10% off your entire purchase from now through Christmas. They have sportswear, um, T-shirts from all, a lot of different sports teams, including your Cleveland Browns. Go to that website, do your shopping, and at checkout, enter HUDDLE in the promo box, all caps, H-U-D-D-L-E, and you will get 10% off your entire purchase. A gift from me to you and a gift from the guys at tshirthooligan.com. Go check them out, folks. All right, let's get into it. We are 9-4. and four. Not bad, you know, if you were to ask me before the season started um, to, to, to tell you where we're at right now and nine and four wouldn't be a bad, wouldn't be a bad spot to be. We were coming off a a tough loss from the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, 42, 47 high scoring game, probably one of the most exciting games that I've ever seen as an NFL football fan. You had a little bit of everything. We're going to get into that. In this episode with Ryan Crowley, um, he's a friend of mine on Twitter. We met last year at a tailgate party, which we'll we'll get into. But he's going to join the show to break down that Ravens-Browns game, Monday night football game that just happened. And we're also going to talk playoffs. We are in a playoff battle. There's no doubt about that. So we're going to be talking some playoffs, and we're going to preview – this coming Sunday night, a game that got flexed from our normal 1 o'clock game, it's going to be this coming Sunday night in New York against the New York football Giants. So that's going to be a great game, a game that both teams need. This, is, this, uh, this game is important for both ball clubs, both ball clubs. So we are looking forward to that for sure. 
That's about all the notes I have uh, going into this episode. We're going to go ahead and let Ryan in. I see him in the waiting room. So I'm going to go ahead and let him in right after this break. And we are back. I have a very special guest with me in the huddle tonight, Ryan Crowley. Welcome to the Brown Settle podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, although it be virtual instead of uh, tailgating. That's the way we're rolling nowadays, man. You know that. We talked a little bit about that before the episode. Everybody's kind of hunkered down right now, but that's okay. We'll get through it. Um, Ryan, out of the Browns Twitter followers that I have, I've only met a handful of them, like in, in, in person. And, and you are one of the handful that I've met. We actually met last year uh, before the Sunday night football game against the Rams. We met at Top Dog Tailgate. That was such a, a great time. Um, but it, it's great to see you again, man. Nice to see you, too. And that tailgate, you know, that was my first time at Top Dog. And uh, that sold me. That's that's where that's where you'll find me when we're able to tailgate again. Okay, so that was your first time at Top Dog as well. It was. Okay, yeah. So it, it was it was great to meet you then. There's a lot of Browns Twitter folks at that tailgate party. I remember Slim Dog was there. Uh, Charles Shin, you know, fighter guy, twenty four twenty four. He does all that amazing Browns artwork. Uh, Rod Bloom, his, br- his brother Jeff was there. Um, I hadn't met them before either. Brandon uh, uh, he, Sooner Griff, I, you remember him, Brandon? He's the Oklahoma Sooner fan, uh, yeah. also Browns fan. He was there. And even the Rally Possum guy was there. Carry <laughs> on top. <laughs> I was, you know, that, and I met him at the end. I, I turned around, you know, with my red uh, Dixie cup in my hand. I see the Rally Possum guy. I'm like, yeah, I know you. <laughs> Just a random uh, introduction there, but I, I can't think of anybody else. I'm actually I can't. I can think of a few other Browns Twitter people that were there. We kind of I don't know. We had a uh, we promoted it before that game, and just some people came, and it was cool to it, to it meet everybody. Like- it felt like the first annual reunion, and unfortunately, <laughs> we're gonna have to wait another year to get back together. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and we're gonna do it, right? I mean, that's that was too much fun not to do that again. Um, Ryan, one of the things I like about Brown's Twitter is their amazing generosity. It just flows through our Twitter feeds. You see amazing stories of generosity, and this this isn't really a big story of generosity, but I thought it was really cool. Last year, you're, you're a season ticket holder. Last year during preseason, you had some tickets that were just going to go to waste, and you actually opened it up to people on Brown's Twitter, uh, you know, whoever could go to the game. You were just going to give them the tickets, and you actually found somebody to go. And I just, I just thought that was cool, man. I like your heart. Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I'd rather give them to somebody who'll use them uh, than let them go to waste. And, and the funny thing about that was – um, the, the game that I, the first game I gave away ended up being one of the guys from the struggle bus in the Muni lot, uh, Adam Luddle. And the year before my wife and I tailgated just happened to park next to their bus and had talked to him. And we didn't know, he didn't know who I was and I didn't know who he was until we met this, this past year. And he said, Oh, I remember you guys from last year. I said the same. So now we've stayed in touch and that's just kind of made that bond and connection deeper. So that was kind of my reward for that. But really it's just all about helping one another out. That's what, um, 
the dog pound and Brown's Twitter is all about. It's what it's all about, man. And, you know, you created memories for the, it was only a preseason game, but who cares? I mean, anytime you can go to First Energy Stadium and watch our Cleveland Browns, that's going to, you're going to have some memories from that. You so, bet. You bet. so, yeah, if that I was awesome. There, I wanted someone else to. That's right. That's right. Well, last time I saw you, you were preparing to be a first time father. How how is that going? That was about a, a year ago, a little over a year ago now that you were preparing to be a dad. Now you are a dad. How, how's that going, man? Yeah, we're almost a year into it now, and uh, it's it's great. I mean, she she sleeps all night, which is you know I I brag to everybody who'll listen, and that's been going on since you know she was a month and a half old. You know, she had a great sleep schedule, healthy. Um, you know, everything went well for my wife. Um, we're spending a lot of time at home together with the pandemic. Both my wife and I are working from home. So we're together 24 seven. We, you know, we've gotten to know her intimately, all parents do, but I feel like we've had an extra advantage this year, just spending so much time together. And, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. Um, not without its challenges, balancing, working from home and, you know, raising a, raising a little girl and, you know, now she's on the move, so we're uh, we're in trouble. We we can't. Gone are the days we can just give her a toy and occupy her and do a little work and kind of keep an eye on her. You know, take the eye off for a second. She's chasing the cat or pulling the Christmas tree, or it's fun. Yeah, once they start getting mobile and running around, that's when it. That's a game changer right there. That's a. Yeah, we're we're, we're in trouble, big trouble, and big she. Trouble. Uh, she she, she let us know early on she was late uh, and she let us know early on that we were going to do everything on her time. And uh, that hasn't changed since she's gotten here. So, And of course, I'm sure she's already watched her first Browns game, probably has a couple Browns outfits. Oh yeah. More than a couple. Uh, she, she's been, we've got a group of friends that we usually watch with because here in Rhode Island, Browns aren't usually on, you know, network cable TV. So we've got a buddy of mine, who's a Giants fan. We can get into that later. Um, we go over to his place. His wife's a Patriots fan, you know, given the region. They've got their direct TV, two TVs in the living room. And uh, so she's come over there, beginning of the season, see a couple games. And I think the first game we watched together at home was the Cowboys game. And I think it was the first time that my clapping and yelling and excitement kind of confused her. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, then once we, you know, danced, she was happy. Um, yeah, but she saw. She saw. She hasn't heard you. me yell that loud and didn't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. And in years past, it's been a bad thing, but this year it's a good thing. That's right. Well, we're getting in. We're in the middle of the holiday season. Uh, Christmas is almost a week away. Can you believe that? Um, let me ask you this, Ryan. Do you guys buy a live Christmas tree, or do you have the same attic tree like we have? So. We used to, when I growing up, we used to call our tree buying our annual family fight. My parents, my sister and I, we'd go to the same tree farm every year. We'd walk for hours and hours. No one ever agreed on the same tree. We'd lose mittens marking trees. Um, so now that my wife and I, and now our daughter, she came with us this year, um, we go to the same tree farm. And thankfully, my wife's as picky of a tree person as I am, and we're usually in lockstep. So last year, it took us about two hours to find the right tree. 
um, which my wife didn't like because she was, you know, eight months pregnant and walking a tree farm in the rain and 30 degree weather. This year, we were in and out in a half hour. We saw the tree. We said, this is the one. So it's always <laughs> a real awesome. tree for us. Yeah, we, we do the attic tree, um, Ryan. So we have the same tree every year. Now, when my wife and I first started dating before we were married and even a couple years after we were married, we did something fun at the Christmas tree lot. We would go there and ask for the skimpiest, ugliest Christmas tree that they had on the lot. You know, the one sitting in the corner losing the pine needles. We, we would ask for that tree, and, and that's the tree that we bought. Um, we, we figured, you know, something fun to do, save a tree, and then go home and try to pretty it up as much as possible. But that's what we did every year. So your tree looked like the Rockefeller Center tree this year, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I was just wondering on that. All right, one more Christmas question, and then we're going to get into some Browns talk. Um, one of the things that my family does uh, during the Christmas holidays, we watch uh, Christmas-themed movies. So what are your top three Christmas movies that you watch every single year? Oh, so we rotate a little bit every year. But if uh, you were to ask me, my, you asked my top three, Christmas Vacation, it's always, you know, always a good one. Is that the top? Yeah, that's my top. Yeah, that's that, my top that, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, throw in Home Alone. I'll take one or two. It doesn't matter to me. Um, and then I've just got a soft spot for the Muppets. So the Muppets Christmas is just oh. something we grew up watching and I've, I've never gotten tired of it. So that, that's kind of, that, that'll round out my top three. Okay. I haven't seen the Muppets one in a while. Maybe I'll have to bust that out this year. But yeah, no, I agree with you. The Home Alone, that has, you know, I watched that when I was younger and now my kids watch it. I'm sure your daughter will watch it, you know, when she comes of age to watch movies. That's that, you know, that, that movie is never going to die. No, no, not at all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's here to stay. You bet. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. The, um, Christmas Vacation is number one, without a doubt. That's every year we watch that. And then Home Alone is definitely up there. Elf is up there. It's a Wonderful Life. That's an old one. That's yeah. an old one, but goody. I can't have – my kids won't watch it, but I like that one. That's a good movie. Yeah, that, that is a good one. All right, Ryan, let's get, let's get into this past game, the, the, the Browns-Ravens game. It was a Monday night football game. The Browns, unfortunately, came away with a loss, 42-47. to Baltimore won that game. Look, everybody wanted to win that game. I, I wanted that game really, really bad. I, 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 had, I had the taste of 10-3 and three just right there on the tip. Of my, it was right there for the taking. We didn't, we didn't do it. We lost, but usually during a, a Browns loss, I come away kind of bummed out and um, in, in, a, in a bad mood, at least for a little while. But for whatever reason, after that game, I was, I was fine with it. I, there was so many positives to take away from that football game. It was an exciting game. It was maybe one of the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life. Maybe the most exciting game. Um, it would have been better if we came out with a victory, but there was a lot of pauses to pull away from that game. How, how did you feel? Um, I mean, I know we lost, but how did you feel coming away from that game uh, when we lost last second field goal by Justin Tucker? I mean, at the end of the day, I think they proved they belong. You know, the, the, the Browns of old 
when they got down by two touchdowns in that third quarter, that's the time they'd roll over and die. And they did the exact opposite. They battled back and got ahead. You know, we're not going to solve everything in a season. And I know there's still a lot of football in front of us this year. But the, the way they battled back, the way they've just changed the trajectory of who they are as a franchise, you know, there's always that part of me as a scarred Browns fan waiting for them to just roll over and die or make, make the, make the interception or, or what, what have you. That wasn't this game. They played a Baltimore Ravens team who was in a must win game. And by the way, is a pretty good team. And they took them right to the wire. And you're right. I would have loved to see them walk away with the victory. I could taste it too. Uh, Pittsburgh losing the night before, you know, I don't think I've ever looked forward to a game more than this one. But at the end of the day, they proved they belong. And, you know, it, this is coming off the heels of the Titans game too. You know, two really good games. They had played a little defense in that second half. We might be having a different conversation. You might have brought up something, uh, you know, that maybe was the reason why I wasn't as hard on the loss as I sh- could have been. And that that is we were down by 14 points and it was looking like they were going to blow the doors off of us. I mean, you're right. We could have given up and we could have come with a, a thousand and one excuses to lose that game and lose it royally. The first game of the year, we lost well, we score six points. Um they scored, I think it was 38 to six. That was devastating. The Pittsburgh loss, devastating. Uh, the, the Raiders loss, not as devastating, but it was still, um, it was still bad because, you know, you feel like if we played that game again, I mean, we had that game, right? It was, it was closer. Uh, it was a close game. It wasn't a blowout. Uh, this game, you know, like you said, we we're down 14 points. It wasn't looking good. Baker came on strong. The whole team came on strong to even catch up to, you know, to, to the Ravens and make it competitive. And man, they almost came away with the victory and you, you got to hats off to the Cleveland Browns for doing that. I mean, it could have been a, a, a tough loss like it was in week one. You bet. And, you know, they made that big stop in the third quarter. I think it was like four and a half minutes left. That was their big defensive stop in the third quarter. And then they come out and they have the punt and Baker throws the pick. And it's at that moment that I thought, okay, now we're going to know what you're made of. Here's some adversity. They, they throw the pick. Baltimore goes right in for the touchdown and they don't fold. They, they don't just battle back. They, they, they raged back. They, they, they did something I've never seen them do against a team like Baltimore. I mean, there's been a few games over the last 20 years where they've just, you know, played out of their minds and come back, but never in a game like this that mattered, never against a team like this who's playing for its life. Um, that, that, when that interception took place, that's when I said, okay, boys, let, let's see what we're made of. And they showed everybody. And it wasn't just after that. They could have gone three and out. They scored their touchdown. Then they came back and they did it again. Yeah. One of the things that that frustrated me, especially with the Steelers game, is I, I thought we got out-physicaled. I, I didn't think we showed up for that game. 
the Steelers just did whatever they wanted to us. They pushed us around the field. The Raiders did that a little bit. You know, with our offensive line, they pushed us around. We, we couldn't – we didn't win the battle of, in the trenches against the Raiders. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers just out-physicaled us. One of the things I saw in this game is that didn't happen. You know, they didn't just punch us in the mouth. I mean, they tried to, and but the, the Browns bounced back, and they were strong, and uh, they were physical, um, not so much on the defensive side of the ball, but our offense, I mean, they, they were jabbing at Chubb, you know. That's one of the things you can hear when the fans aren't in the stadium. You can hear the players talking trash. I mean, they're in Chubb's ear talking trash, and Chubb would just go to the huddle, you know, after gaining a couple yards, he'd go to the huddle and then gain eight. It didn't phase them. You know, I love what this team is made of, and I love the physicality of this team. And I, they proved to me this game right here that we can hang in the AFC North and we can be competitive. You bet. And, you know, another example I was thinking about along the same lines of what you were saying, Jarvis is an emotional guy, and sometimes he's letting his, his, has let his emotions get the best of him. And he had guys in his face draped all over him. He had a face mask that wasn't called. And he just kept his cool the entire game. And, and, you know, I think a lot of guys look at Jarvis and see what Jarvis does on the field. And Jarvis was just as physical as anyone he went against. And he was, he was unflappable. You know, if guys were trying to get under his skin, you didn't see it. And I think that translated to a lot of the other guys on the offense. You know, next play. Let's, let's get on to the next play. Yeah. There was a, a tweet on Twitter that I haven't seen the video, and I don't even know if this is true, but uh, it basically said that Stefanski was going around to all the players before the game, and he would uh, go in the players' face and say, hey, are you scared? Are you scared? And all the players said, no, coach, ready for battle. Or I don't remember what they said, but basically Stefanski was getting that – he was making sure that our troops were ready for that game. That's, that's one of the cool things about AFC North – competitive football is everybody knows what everybody's doing we're not surprising anybody you know Tennessee Titans we surprised them hell they surprised me I thought they were going to be run heavy that game but Baker showed up and and was passing the ball but typically in an AFC North battle you're not hiding nothing it's a matter of who wants it most that's generally the outcome of these games who wants it most and the the Ravens may have came away with the victory, but that, you know, hey, I think they both won that game equally. The Ravens just happened to have had the ball last. That's That, that was the whole thing of the game right there. Yeah, and, you know, the focus that Stefanski has gotten this team, I mean, they're so focused every week. And, it, you know, I, I had heard the same thing about him walking around the sideline talking to his guys. What better way to get your guys fired up and focused at the same time than doing that. And, you know, maybe it's just me, but Stefanski doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would get in your face and do that. So I think that probably resonated with his players. Like, all right, coach is here, and he he wants me to battle for him. It served him well all season. So I think for them to hear that, they want to fight for this guy. And and then just, uh, you know, getting back to them, keeping their composure, the level of calm Stefanski brings after all of the, you know, nonsense and penalties that happened last year, I think that just further speaks to the focus that he brings to the group. You know, you see a lot of the players 
talking about one and oh, you know, they're only only worried about the week. They've played that way this year. And they definitely, play, you know, they didn't win, but they played that way Monday night. I mean, the, the Steelers and the Ravens, they've owned this division for the better part of two decades. Do, do you think that that is in the psyche of the Browns? I mean, I know us as fans, we feel it, that, you know, although we, we hope that the Browns are going to go be competitive in this game, and I'm talking about not this current team that we're talking about tonight, but past uh, matchups against the Steelers and Ravens, the Browns would go in those games and they would get pushed around and out physical. Do you think that is in the psyche of the players and Stefanski knew that and he was just addressing that and making sure that wasn't an issue going into this game? I think that's true for some of the players. And then, you, you know, the players who weren't here, they hear it. So it gets into their head. But yeah. I think maybe even, you know, I've always thought to a lesser extent that be the case with the Ravens and the Steelers. I mean, they played them close Monday night. They blew them out week four or week three of last year. So it's not like we haven't beat these guys. They beat them the first year of Baker's career. So we've the last two seasons, we've split with them. You know, we keep hearing, oh, until they beat the Ravens and Steelers, the Ravens and Steelers. Well, they've beaten the Ravens. And the games that they haven't beat them, you know, be the first week, be the exception. They've played close. You know, that, that first, that last game uh, in Baker's rookie year that got flexed into 425 and Jim Nance and Tony Romo had the call. And it was the fumble that Peppers recovered that wasn't. And that was a close game. This game Monday night was a close game. They've won two other games. I think they've proven to themselves they can play with the Ravens. Until they beat Big Ben, I think that's going to rattle in their heads a little bit. And, you know, as much as it kills me to say it, he's owned us. So they've got to get that monkey off their back sooner or later. I think they're looking forward to that week 17. I mean, obviously they're thinking about week uh, 15 and 16, but week 17, I think they're definitely looking forward to that game here in Cleveland. Absolutely. And, and you know, there'd be no better way to end the season. And then if, you know, if we're fortunate enough to get in the playoffs, you enter with momentum that you've never had before. You beat Big Ben and the Steelers the last week of the season. Couldn't start, couldn't start the playoffs better and by entering that way. Let's talk about the passing game. Um, what did you think about our two quarterbacks, uh, Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry? <laughs> uh, Baker Mayfield was 28 of 47 for 343 yards, two touchdowns. And of course you pointed out earlier that interception and Jarvis Landry, uh, that was kind of a joke, but he was one for one. He's perfect on the year, four for four. Took a big hit after that throw, but uh, he, he completed a pass for 12 yards. what did you think about, Baker Mayfield and the performance that he gave us on Monday night. You know, I got a little nervous in the first quarter that he was going to have happy feet and he settled down. You know, he, he had some drops. Uh, Higgins uh, fumbled twice, you know, and I love Hollywood Higgins. Uh, there were some things that happened in that first quarter that really could have swayed the game or pressed Baker to try to do a little too much. And he trusted his guys. He went back to them throughout the game. He settled down into the pocket. They had great play action play calls. They used the tight ends great that whole first quarter, whether it was Njoku or Brian. Baker, in the last, I think the last two games have been Baker's two best games as a pro, and they've come back to back. Uh, he had an incredible first half against Tennessee. They played more conservative in the second half. 
And this week could have been, if we were the old Browns, a week that it got away from us. And it was the exact opposite. Uh, chucking it downfield to Peoples-Jones. Uh, finding Hunt when nothing was else was available. Baker just continues to prove that the noise doesn't bother him. He goes this year. He's, he's been going about his work. He's um, gotten better as the year's gone on. I mean, there, was, there were a couple of ugly games earlier in the year, and I think the fact that he has gotten better is why we've maybe gotten away from the run game a little bit, or it's more balanced. I don't know if getting away is the right way to phrase it, but um, if Baker can keep playing like this, it's going to open things up for the run game. And, you know, I'm excited to see what's ahead. I think we're seeing Baker Mayfield that's comfortable in the Stefanski offense. I, I forget what analyst put it on Twitter, but he put some plays that Baker ran a, a, a week one against the Ravens. Same plays that we've been seeing the past couple weeks with the, the rollouts, the passes, uh, you know, to the sidelines, the bootlegs. And week one to this past couple weeks with Tennessee and against the Ravens, night and day. You know, the first part of the season, he wasn't trusting himself to make those throws. Uh, I, he wasn't trusting his eyes um, in the pocket. His, he had the happy feet. You could tell he just was not comfortable. That's not the Baker that we're seeing right now. I'm seeing a guy that's comfortable in the offense. He knows exactly where his receivers are going to be. And he has a great relationship with our head coach, Kevin Stefanski. He trusts Stefanski, and Stefanski is trusting Baker. And I think it's going to be a relationship that's going to last for a long time. You're right. And I think that we Cleveland fans aren't the only people who notice. Uh, I, I watched the game back, and Steve uh, Levy, one of the commentators from Monday night in that first quarter, he made the comment. He said, Baker looks like he's going to throw it around the yard all night. I was on the first series. He was right. That's exactly what he did. He, he just chucked it up and down the field. It was great. And then they talked about how he's incorporated the hard count into his game with Ben Pelt, with what he's brought over from Green Bay. And my wife and I, we talk about that every week. We wait for that five-yard penalty because I think the last three weeks he's gotten one. He's just – He's in control. He's, he's, he's operating. He's leading this offense. He's not just calling the plays, and he gets that because his coach has entrusted him to do the right thing. You're right. Stefanski's put that trust in him. He trusts Stefanski, and the results speak for themselves. And, and there's definitely a respect there. There is a lot of faults with Freddie Kitchens. You know, I, I, don't, I think he was the coach that kind of winged it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, with, I don't think he was very prepared, but I noticed that the, I'm not going to say Baker didn't respect him, but it was almost like a buddy buddy relationship. You don't see that with Kevin Stefanski. When Baker goes from the huddle to the sideline on a timeout, it's all business. You know, um, you can tell there's a, a respect both ways, you know, cause respect is a two way street. And I just see that there and, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a good thing. You you mentioned the the first drive. Um, you say he's gonna. Uh, Levy said he's gonna throw it around the yard all night. He was six of seven for fifty six yards that first drive that ended in a Nick Chubb running for a touchdown. He, I mean, the guy and Landry was one for one on that drive as well. But that that first drive that just set the tone for the day. 
again, it's unfortunately came away with the loss, but it set the tone that ba- Baker, he, I think he's uh, answered the question, is he our franchise quarterback? He's the guy. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if, if you're a fan of this podcast, a fan of this show, the Brown Settle podcast, you'll know that I've been a Baker fan since day one. I know you have as well. Um, but I think fans are starting to see, and like you said, national media heads are starting to see that this guy's legit. And he was the number one pick for a reason. And Baker Mayfield with Kevin Stefanski, they're going to do some great things in this league. You, you bet. And, you know, Baker, he is, he's the franchise. I mean, this, this thing depends on him. If he keeps it going, we're, we're going to have a great next five to ten years here. Uh, we've seen so many quarterbacks come through Cleveland. And just, you know, people always use the expression, put your money where your mouth is been rooting for this team for 20 years I've never once bought a quarterback's jersey the year they drafted Baker I bought his jersey he hadn't even stepped on the field yet my wife sent away for it got the jersey she knew I wanted it so you know I I couldn't be happier with how this year's going for him and he's getting better week to week you know he's he's not just it hasn't been a good season it's been a good progression every week he's done something better even the weeks that were you know awful, terrible, bad weather. What what could go wrong should go wrong. He took care of the football. I mean, we were talking what was it three weeks, four weeks without a turnover or interception. That's not the Baker from last year. Heck, that's not even the Baker from his rookie year. That's a totally different guy. And that just shows you the improvement that he's made. Be it that it's his third year in the league, he's got a you know great coaching staff. It's an exciting time. I can't. <laughs> I really can't wait to see what else he does. Close out the year and what's ahead. Sign the guy. Sign the guy. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think he has. I looked it up earlier today. I don't know how many yards he's thrown for. I think seventeen hundred or it's under two thousand. But but he's passed for twenty three touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's a three to one ratio. Not bad. You, you bet, know, man. especially how he started. Um, he didn't start that way. But like you said, each game he's gotten progressively better and better and better. And now we're a team that's not one-dimensional. You know, a lot, of te- a lot of defensive coordinators, they looked at the Browns just a month ago and said, okay, we just got to stop the run, put the ball in Baker's hands. Well, now, I don't know, you got to think twice about that now. Now we can run and pass. And next year, when Andrew Barry and, and Stefanski and company focus on bringing in the defense – Next year, you're going to have to worry about our defense, too. So that's when it's going to get really exciting. And and to your point, if you had told me that we were going to score 42 points against the Ravens on Monday night football, I would have fought and taken a win all day. And, uh, you know, we clean that up next year. Maybe next year we hold them to 35. (laughs) We just keep scoring. All right. Well, moving right along, let's talk about our our rushing attack. You know, Nick Chubb, he had 17 carries, 82 yards, two two touchdowns, uh, 4.8 yards per carry. Kareem Hunt on the ground had six carries for 33 yards, and he also led our receiving core. Uh, He caught six passes for 77 yards and a touchdown. So he had Kareem Hunt had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, and Nick Chubb had two touchdowns. I mean, this dynamic duo is unbelievable to have one top 10 running back on your roster 
that's something, but to have two, and I would argue that th- these two are top five, you know, running backs in the entire league. You know, Chubb's obviously top five, but Kareem Hunt, he's right in there as well. What do you, I mean, what is he five, six, seven? I don't know. I haven't looked at that, but he's he's top ten. To have two of these guys in the same backfield is unbelievable. And we've got them for the next couple of years as well. So what, what are your thoughts on the, on our running game and, and where that could take us? Well, I'll start by saying this. I mean, I'll bet they wish they had a Chubb or a Hunt in Pittsburgh because they can't run at all right now. Uh, you know, and we've got both. If one needs a breather, take them out, send them in. You've got a package for one guy, send them in. It's, it's just fun, too, to know from what, what I've read and what they've said at their press conferences that they genuinely seem to be rooting for each other. They don't seem to be counting how often Chubb's on the field or Hunt's on the field. They're, what the package is, it is. And they just go in and they do their job. I think Hunt's very thankful to have this opportunity. He's playing for his home team. And Chubb's just, you know, the epitome of, you know, a, a professional football player. Show up and play. And you put those two guys together, there's a natural chemistry there seems to be with those two guys. And, and to be t- even having the conversation about two guys who could eclipse a thousand yards in the same backfield just shows you where our running game is. And, and it's just... I don't know another way to say it other than the next few years are going to be fun. And I think everything this year has told us that. No question about that. And, you know, in the AFC North, you have to have a good backfield because we have some ugly, ugly weather games, you know, in the, in the winter. I mean, you, you got to have a good running game, especially in Cleveland. And we got two of them. So they just impressed the heck out of me, man. I mean, when it's, third and four, third and five, third and seven, and Chubb's running off the field and they're running Hunt on the field, I get excited because not only can Hunt run for that play, he could also catch for that play. I mean, he caught six passes for 77 yards. He led all of our receivers. You know, he had that touchdown at the very end of the the game. I wish we wouldn't have left a minute on the clock, but still – he scored an awesome touchdown. I mean, that was unbelievable. Even Stefanski is like, you know, I didn't think that, you know, Kareem Hunt would actually get in on that play, but he did. He's a fighter, man. He really is. So, yeah, it's awesome to have them two on our team. And gone are the days where you change running back and you know what they're going to do. They can just as easily run it with Hunter Chubb or pass it with Hunt and Chubb. I mean, the, prior to this week, the last three weeks, they've, open their first offensive series, their first play with an empty backfield. And they've had Chubb lined up wide and they've had Hunt lined up wide. And so the defense can't really grasp what the plan is because both guys can do it. This isn't uh, the Crow's going to, Crowell's going to come in and run for three or four. And then we're going to send Duke in and hope to throw him a nice uh, screen that he can go and get five. Those days are gone. We've got Chubb and Hunt, and the defense isn't sure whether they're going to be in to run or pass, no matter the formation. I mean, it's a nightmare preparing for this team if you're a defensive coordinator. And absolutely, and then forget that. It's a nightmare playing against this team as a defense. Can you imagine 
you know, being a linebacker or strong safety and, and you know every single play that Chubb or Hunt is going to be in your face with the football just wanting to run right through you, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be that guy. Me neither. No thanks. No thanks. All right, uh, moving on. Receivers. we got a lot of young receivers um, on this team. They're finding ways of getting open. Baker's spreading the ball around. Um, they're making big plays. Donovan Peoples-Jones is really coming around. I mean, this is a guy that wasn't on the – right? He wasn't on the active roster starting the year. And now he's in, he's in our game script. Like, he's making plays for our football team. And a lot of that has to do with the injury of OBJ. You know, he, OBJ is obviously out the rest of the year. But our receivers, um, you know, Rashard Higgins – Six catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. You had mentioned he had the fumbles early, and that was concerning. <laughs> Thankfully, the ball was bouncing the right way where they were going out of bounds, or he recovered one of them, which was amazing. Uh, Jarvis Landry, leader of our uh, receivers, you know, six catches, 52 yards. And Joku, you mentioned him, three catches, 45 yards. Chubb, you know, a lot of people don't look at him as a receiving running back, but I tell you, when you throw him the ball, he catches it. He was two for two. I think last week he was three for three. He catches the ball and he runs with it. You know, our receivers are young. You know, Rashard Higgins, he's been here for a minute. He was here during the – I think he was here on the 0-16 Browns. Uh, he's probably our oldest receiver. But what, what are your thoughts of, of our receivers and what they're doing and where they can take us? Seeing the way Higgins battled back after what was a really rough start for him. He had a couple of drops. Uh, excuse me, fumbles. Then he had a drop, a big drop, I think, on the sideline. And he, it just didn't affect him the rest of the game. Baker went back to him. He trusted him. I think he's the receiver Baker has the most natural chemistry with. Um, he's always looking for him. He went to him deep a couple of times. I think one of them might have been overthrown. The other, I think, was the non-pass interference call. Um, not that that's why we lost the game. Baltimore beat us, but just pointing that out. Um, so, you know, Higgins, I thought, redeemed himself throughout that game with the way it, compared to the way it started. Peoples-Jones continues to make one big impact play a game. You know, I watched the uh, NFL game day every Sunday morning, and Kurt Warner's always talking about game-changing plays, you know, that CGP. And that's what Higgins seems to bring – every week, excuse me, Peoples-Jones seems to bring every week. There's one deep ball or one real big catch, 40 yards, 30 yards, that Peoples-Jones seems to I mean, the the game winner against Cincinnati, that was Donovan Peoples-Jones. He had a similar catch on the sideline this past week. It looked very similar, you know, where he's falling back and he's catching the ball and he got two feet in and rolled out of bounds. I mean, the guy, he's really coming along. He really is. I'm excited about that guy. Yeah, we, we play some music here after the Browns win, and we try to pick some songs that represent the players who play well in the game. And after that Bengals game, uh, we played, you know, The Rock in WWE is known as the People's Champ. So we were playing his theme music for the People's Jones. So now uh-huh. when he scores or gets a big play, that's what we call him. It's the People's Jones. Here he comes. <laughs> so awesome. we have fun with that. And every week he does something big, so we get to do it again. We, we could talk about the defense if you want. T- to me, we know that's an issue. We do. 
I think it's a tough ask for any defense to contain Lamar Jackson. To me, the reason why Baltimore won this game was Lamar Jackson ran all over the field. We couldn't stop him. We couldn't contain him. But we're not the only defense that can't do that. I mean, the guy is a rock star. And when he went out of the game early in the fourth quarter and McSorley was in there and the Browns were coming back, I even turned to my wife. I'm like, we're going to do this, aren't we? We're, we're going to win this game. This is unbelievable. And then McSorley gets hurt on fourth and five. They go to commercial break. And I'm like, man, this is unbelievable. The announcers are like, I don't even know who would be the quarterback of the Ravens. There's no one else on the ro- active roster that can take over for McSorley if he can't finish the game. And they come back from a commercial break and they show Lamar Jackson come out of the locker room. I've never seen that before. That is the first – I've been watching football – a long time. I don't ever remember seeing a game like what we saw Monday night, him trotting out on the field, fourth and five, hasn't played the entire fourth quarter pretty much, and he comes in and he's brown. I mean, how you can't script that up any better. It was unbelievable. But, you know, again, we could talk about our defense, but Lamar Jackson, he's just an amazing – He's just an amazing quarterback uh, slash running back. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's hard to stop that guy. Yeah, I've never seen that either. Uh, player, especially in football, you know, I've seen it in basketball. Paul Pierce, I can think of him coming out in the wheelchair and returning to the court. But in football, I hadn't seen that before. And still not sure why he went to the locker room. But I have a sneaky suspicion that, the uh, Browns weren't the only one to go for two during that game. I have heard that too. You know, maybe he was taking the Browns to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't look. I don't know. They showed footage of him running to the locker room. It looked like a guy that needed to go to the bathroom. Honestly, it didn't look like a guy who needed an IV because of cramps. I don't know what happened. I could tell you when he came out of the locker room, he was running like the tin man. He couldn't bend his knees. And I'm like, okay, he's going to come in the game and this is going to be over. As soon as the ball is hiked, he's running around like nothing ever happened. It was, it was amazing. I mean, he made a great play. Kudos to him. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it better. I'm, I'm sorry that it happened against us, but it did. But again, you know, coming away from this game, I took a lot more positives than I did just having one loss that we could afford. I mean, it's going to get critical here in these last three games. But this game, we were competitive. We, we didn't let them punch us in the mouth. You know, we fought back. I mean, it came down to a 55-yard field goal with two, basically four seconds on the clock, right? I mean, it came down to that, to, to beat the Cleveland Browns. So... I, I'm encouraged. I am. I'm encouraged moving forward. I'm, I, I think that we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to talk about that right now. But what, what are your thoughts, um, you know, for the rest of this season and, and the Cleveland Browns in general? Well, just to set the table for the rest of this season, I kind of went into it with the mindset here the last couple of weeks. If they could walk away with one game between the Titans game and the Ravens game, they'd be in pretty good shape. That's not to say that they can't trip over themselves these last three games. Um, That's possible, but nothing we're seeing indicates they're going to do that. 
But to, to have beaten the Titans, I think, and play the Ravens close, I think makes that a little easier to swallow. And then you've got the Giants this week, who you know, it's a, sounds like it's up in the air whether or not uh, Danny Dimes is going to play on Sunday night. Sounds like it might be Colt McCoy, uh, our old friend who won the first Browns game I attended at First Energy Stadium against the Patriots. So I have a great affinity for him, just not on Sunday if he plays. Um, the Jets game, I, I really hate to give credit to a winless team, but we've been that winless team, beating the Chargers at the end of the year and there have been a couple of games the Jets have been close. The Raiders game is one that comes to mind where I really would have liked to see them get the monkey off their back. But on the other hand, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They're, just, they're really bad. They're, and, they're, yeah, they're just not a good football team. I mean, the Browns win this year. We, we played some close games that year. And, of course, you know, this is me being the Browns apologist here. It's my team, so we weren't as bad as our record says. But, man, the Jets are just awful. And um, if we lose to the Jets, we don't deserve anything. We, you know, that's go home and think about next year. We, we aren't okay. losing to the Jets. Yeah, I, right. I don't even think we're going to lose to the Giants, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Let's talk a little bit about the playoffs the the current playoff standings are uh, okay. So one through four is Chiefs have the number one spot at twelve and one. Steelers number two spot. Then the Bills. Then the Titans. Those are your four division currently leaders. Current leaders. Then you have number five. Uh, Browns still held on to the number five spot even with the loss. Um, at nine and four Colts at nine and four. Now they're in a big battle with the Titans for that, uh, AFC South division title They're That's, I mean, they're both nine and four, but the Titans have the tiebreakers. So they're currently in the lead. And then the dolphins are sitting at number seven. Um, in the hunt, we have the Ravens at eight and five, the Raiders at seven and six and the Patriots. We'll still talk about them, even though I, I don't think they have a shot of getting into the playoffs. I mean, the best thing to do is nine and seven. I don't know. 10 and six might not even get you in. So nine and seven is not getting you in the playoffs this year on the AFC side. I have a, you know, I have, my gut tells me the, I mean, the Ravens, they have an easy schedule. I have them winning all three of those games. They play the Jags, the Giants and at Bengals. I have them winning all three. So the Ravens are going to replace one of the wild card teams currently the the Browns, Colts, and Dolphins. I have to think that's going to be the Dolphins that the the Ravens are going to replace in the current uh, playoff standings. What do you, what are your thoughts, man? Have you had a chance to look at the playoffs and and how it's going? There's a couple things that concern me as far as the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs, but ultimately it depends on us handling our business because we're currently in the five spot. We're in control. We win. We go to the playoffs, we will lose a game or two, then it gets a little dicey for me. I'm with you on the Dolphins. I mean, looking at their next three games, they're playing the Patriots, at the Raiders, and at Buffalo. I, I don't see how they walk out of that those three weeks with maybe more than one win. I mean, they, New England, they always play each other close. Uh, 
I'm not convinced New England can beat them with the way that they're playing, but it, it'll be a close game. Uh, the Raiders, you, I feel like week to week, you don't know what you're going to get with them. They could just as easily win that game as lose that game. And the Bills, what are the Bills playing for that last week? Probably the, nothing. Right. So, I mean, are they sitting guys? And Miami kind of walks into week 17. You know, we, that It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Schedule-wise, by who they're playing, Miami's got the toughest schedule. When you look at the Titans and the Colts, they've, in my estimation, they've each got two, they've each got one tough game left. Colts at Pittsburgh, Titans at Packers. That Packers game's probably going to be important for Green Bay. They're probably still going to be going for that number one seed so New Orleans doesn't take it back. Colts, they're playing Pittsburgh that, that uh, week 16. They're, they've got the same record as the Titans. You know, so there are a few cards to fall here. But at the end of the day, if the Browns can win these next two games, they should be, you know, they'll, they'll be in. I, I think that's the math, right? I mean, this week, if the Raiders lose Thursday night and the Browns win on Sunday, they're in. Um, that, that, I read that this morning. Um, I mean, the, the Raiders are the only team that scares – that's the only team that scares me. And, again, we're in control of our own destiny, right? We're, we're in the fifth spot. It's if we stumble against the, the, the Giants or you mentioned the Jets. I don't think that will happen. Or the Pittsburgh Steelers. If, if we stumble, that's when it can get a little bit dicey. I mean, the Raiders are the team that hold the tiebreaker. So if they end up at 10 and 6, we're at 10 and 6, the Raiders would be in, right? I mean, wouldn't they win the tiebreaker in that scenario? Right. They would. Yeah, I think so. So uh, we don't want to be tied with the Raiders. Um, I have the, the Raiders taking two L's. You know, I have them at, at one and two these last three games. I have them beating the Chargers, losing to the Dolphins, and losing to the, the Broncos. I think the Broncos, they play with a lot of pride. It's in Denver. It's going to be cold. I mean, the, the Raiders, they did pretty good against us in cold weather, but Denver's a little bit different. You got the mile high, the altitude. It's, it's a different ball game. I mean, I guess it could go either way. But, uh, you know, I have the Raiders finishing their season at 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, I am curious about the Titans and, and Colts race i have the i have the colts winning their last three games i have them at 12 and 4 winning the afc south and i have the tennessee titans uh two and one in their last three games i have them beating the detroit lions they don't even know who their quarterback is right now matthew stafford he may or may not play the packers i have them losing there and then i have them beating the titans so i have the titans at 11 and 5 colts at 12 and 4 you see, in my predictions, I have the Titans at the number six spot. So I, I have the Browns holding on to number five. I have a, us at 12 and four. You know, I, I just – I think we're going to win our, our games that we have left on the schedule. I think we're going to win all three of them. I have the Titans at the number six spot and Ravens at the number seven. Titans and Ravens both at 11 and five. That's what I got. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, if you're going to ask me in the playoffs, the Browns are the five seed. 
who is it that you want to play? I mean, realistically, you know, I'd rather play the Colts than I would the Titans because the Titans are that kind of team that they were, you know, look at what they did in the playoffs last year. They get on a little bit of a run going into the playoffs and feeling themselves and they lost to Cleveland and they have a home game and Henry's pissed off and our defense continues to play the way it is. That's not a team I want to face if the other choice is the Colts. And that's not to discredit what Indianapolis is doing. They're rolling T.Y. Hilton's had three awesome weeks. He was invisible for most of the season. Rivers is still gutting through his foot injury. But if you're going to ask me which of those two teams as a Browns fan, I think is the better matchup for us, I'd say it's Indianapolis. All right, so this is something I need to clear up. What's the first tiebreaker? If you have two teams that are the record is tied, what's the first tiebreaker? Is it head-to-head? I think it's head-to-head. And then after that, it's conference. Conference schedule, right? Um, all right, so you want to know what I've got for my final predictions, Jason's playoff predictions? This is it. Here's the thing. We're not, in my predictions, we're not going to play the Colts or the Titans. I hope I know where you're going with this. Where am I going with this? Are we, are we playing a team that might be wearing black and yellow? Yes, black and gold. <laughs> black and gold. I, I would love Two weeks that. in a row. <laughs> I have the Chiefs um, at 14-2, and two, number one. So they get the, the first round by. I have the Bills, number two, at 13-3. and three. Colts at 12 and four Steelers at 12 and four, but the Colts get the tiebreaker because they won on the head to head. So the Steelers will be the fourth seed. And then I have us in the fifth seed, 12 and four Titans and Ravens, six and seventh seed. So the bills would then play the Ravens Colts would play the Titans and the Steelers would be playing the Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh for the wild card game. By the way, that was the last wild card game the Cleveland Browns were in was against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. I was there at that game, 2002. I remember, I remember watching that on TV in my grandmother's nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> that was It was on. No one else cared, but I was glued to that thing. Oh, what do you think about that matchup? I would give anything to go into the playoffs and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. That monkey, even if they do nothing else after that, the monkey's off your back and it's like you have a rebirth and a fresh start next year. You know, it would just be the cherry on top of what has already been a better season than most of us want to admit we thought they'd have. Yeah, yeah. We got to get there first. We are in control of our own destiny. I have us winning the last three games. I just think we're going to win the last three games. I mean, I think we're going to beat the Giants. I don't think we're going to be playing Danny Dimes. You know, I, they, uh, Joe Judge, their, their coach said that he injured his ankle, sprained ankle. He has a hurt hamstring. So even if he does play, he's going to be like a statue back there. And our guys are just going to pin their ears back and, you know, it's going to be a sack fest. So – I think we might see our old friend, like you said, I think we might see Colt McCoy back there. Yeah. And you know, Colt McCoy, I've got a said, I've got a great affection and affinity for him, but he's a, an intermediate passer. 
And if that means that the plays are staying in front of our defense, we don't really have to worry about those deep balls or as many deep balls and keep the plays in front of us. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a buddy. My, I mentioned earlier, my buddy that I, we watch, you know, not this year because we've been watching from home um, that we watch every Sunday with. And he's a big Giants fan. And I asked him, I said, can you give me some positive and negatives about the Giants that Browns fans would want to know? I mean, he's for as big a Browns fans we, as we are, he's just as big a Giants fan and, and, re, and realistic like we are. When they suck, he says so. Uh-huh. Um, when, they're good, when they're good and they're, they've got a shot, he says so. So he told me that the, their positives this year, he ha- they've got good depth. You know, it's always been the next man up for them. He says they've got gr- this year. They've got great coaching. They they finally have a coaching staff that the players seem to respect. That's been an issue the last couple years. Um, you know, I've watched almost as many Giants games with him as he's watched Browns games with me. So I've seen it, and uh, they were able to build up some um, good free agent signings this year with Bradbury, big, big signing for them. Martinez is a tackle machine at linebacker. So it's going to be interesting. They have a solid defense, right? Yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting to see how he matches up with our, uh, with our lot, with our tight ends. Um, And then some negatives. He said, Evan Ingram, that was his aunt. That was his number one. Evan Ingram was the negative because he drops the ball a lot. So um, he's got all the talent in the world. But um, he, he's got a lot of drops, not too deep at wide receiver. And, of course, the Barkley injury continues to hurt him. Although, Gallman has been playing well, at least from a fantasy perspective. Gallman has been playing well. I, I was fortunate enough to pick him up on the, the free agent wire in fantasy football in one of my leagues. And I'm actually I've, – I've started him for the past month. He's, he's a beast. He, you know, he's been a great, I mean, you can't replace Saquon Barkley, but Gallman, um, he can get the job done on the ground. You bet. And, you know, they beat Seattle, which no one saw um, coming. He was, my, my buddy Matt was thrilled with that, but um, they can beat Seattle. Seattle's good. Maybe they can make this a game. Um he congratulated me this morning when the news about Danny Dimes not playing came out. He said, good win on Sunday. Um, but anything can happen. You know, I mean, even this last game Monday night, we got away. We got out of that game. We escaped the injury bug. Miles left the game hurt. Uh, Treader left the, grabbed his wrist. Wills got stepped on. Those are three big guys that we can't afford to lose. Um, so we just got to We're getting play. some guys back, right? Yeah, they said Denzel and Hodge and Hooper are all playing. Yeah. So we just need to get through these games, do what we're supposed to do, and come out healthy. Um, and at the end of the day, we just you know, we want we want to win, but we need we need to be healthy if we want to do any kind of damage in the playoffs. The, the Giants team, I mean, they're in a playoff battle themselves. Um, you know, Washington is leading the division at six and seven. The Giants are five and eight. So you know they're going to be coming to play. Even if Daniel Jones isn't at quarterback, I don't think he will. He's doubtful. I really don't think he's going to play. I mean, Colt McCoy is probably going to be the quarterback. 
But even if Colt McCoy is the quarterback, I mean, that roster is going to be wanting a win. Let's see, the the Washington football team's at Seattle. So, you, you know, I mean, it's going to be a tough battle for them down, down, the, uh, down the stretch. And, you know, we're going to get a Giants team that's going to be wanting to win. So we better be coming there ready to play. Washington stalled one when they beat Pittsburgh. I mean, from our perspective as Browns fans – yeah. And Giants fans' perspective as Giants fans. Uh, yeah. For them to steal one from Pittsburgh just reshaped what that whole division looks like. And, and now it's, it's open again. You know, the Giants were sort of in that driver's seat and that one week where they went, you know, they lost to Arizona. They beat Pittsburgh. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very much up for grabs for them. I don't know what the rest of Washington's schedule looks like, but this is a key game for the Giants. This is uh, one of the ones that they got to win, and if they don't, they're, they're not going to uh, probably make the playoffs unless Washington also loses, which is possible. Um, but to your point, they've got a lot to play for. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Giants, yeah, I mean, the Giants started off one and seven for the year. They strung off four wins in a row. Then they get blown out by the Cardinals last week. You know, but but Daniel Jones, I mean, they Daniel Jones played that game, but you could tell he wasn't he wasn't healthy. He, he didn't rush the ball one time, which that's a big part of his game is um, you know, quarterback scrambles and and rushing. That's a big part of his game and he didn't do that once. He was sacked like um I don't even know how many times he was sacked. Was it six times? I know that uh, Arizona had one player with five sacks. I think he was sacked um, six times. Set the record, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy. I don't. We don't know who's going to be playing. I think it's going to be Colt McCoy. But um, you know, some you hear the word trap game thrown around. Trap game. Trap game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but trap game to me is um, when you take an opponent for granted, like you're just going there thinking you're just going to win. So you don't take them seriously. And that's a trap game. And then that that team ends up actually winning because you didn't take them seriously. Is that your definition of a trap game? Same. Yeah, same here. Yeah, that's, that's my definition. To me, Kevin Stefanski, I don't care if we're playing the Jets or the Chiefs. He's going to have our team prepared for those games. And I don't think we're going to take any team lightly, as we shouldn't. But I don't think the Browns have to worry about a trap game, especially with Kevin Stefanski leading this, this franchise, because he's going to have us prepared, he's going to have us focused, and he's going to have us looking at this team to get a win. So, Hey, the NFL flexed this game into Sunday night for a reason, and I realized the Giants losing on Sunday maybe reshaped that opinion. And we lost on Monday. (laughs) Right, we lose Monday. Danny Dimes isn't playing, maybe. Uh, So that kind of waters it down a little bit, but let's go back to Saturday, (laughs) this last Saturday. And it's an appetizing-looking matchup because if the Giants beat Arizona – and even, even if we lose to Baltimore, Giants are still playing to maintain their spot, and we're, we're playing to maintain our spot just as we are now for uh, the five seed. So um, I think it's going to be close. I do think the Browns are going to win, uh, especially if uh, D- Daniel Jones isn't playing. Um, 
we'll, we'll see. Yeah, let's get into your little predictions. Um, do you have any final thoughts about this game? I, I'm expecting this to be the game that m- maybe we see some more uh, running. I think Chubb and Hunt collectively are due for another big game. We've seen Baker sort of take the, take the reins the last few weeks. I think that Chubb and Hunt, if we can control the clock, I don't know what the weather's supposed to like. I saw it might be wet or cold or wet and cold or whatever. Um, so I think that this could be the game where maybe we just try to lean on our rushing game. What I hope is Baker can continue to play with the confidence that he's had. I don't see any reason why he won't. Um, and really just leave this game healthy. At the end of the day, however you know we play, however we win, if we're able to do that, let's leave the game healthy. We can't afford to lose more guys, especially on defense. You know, we know we've got guys that are banged up, that are still playing. Let's bring Denzel and Hodge and Hooper back if we're lucky enough to do that. Win this game and then set the table to take care of business against the Jets. And then we've got week 17 right right in front of us before we make the playoffs. I I see this as a game where the Browns are going to try to get up early, you know, 14 to 17 points. They're going to try to get up early. And honestly, we didn't talk about our defense too much on the Baltimore game, but I think they have something to prove. There's a sense of pride with our defense. And – Everybody's talk about them in a negative light. I think they're going to take it out on the Giants. You know, my buddy Matt, the Giants fan, he has complained about their offensive line here for the last couple of years. And granted, he says this year's better. And I agree with him because I've watched the games. But, with, you know, the way – Miles. Miles is due now. He's come back. He's, he had a sack in Tennessee. He was a little bit disruptive in, with the Baltimore game, didn't quite get a sack. I think Miles is due to get back there and grab a couple. If we can do that, get the ball back quickly here in the first half, I'm hopeful that it'll be a second half that we can just control the clock, keep everybody healthy, and move forward. I think the weather is supposed to be a little bit like it was in Cleveland for this past Monday night game. It's showing 39 degrees partly sunny and of course the game's at night but it doesn't show any rain or anything like that so I think the weather conditions are going to be right for football as far as the the game itself let me look at the spread here uh I think the Browns have yeah okay so the Browns are favored by five and they have an over under of 45 and a half what are your Do you have a prediction for the score, the final score for the Browns game? I'm one of those people that hates predicting a win or a loss or a score because I don't want to jinx them because if they lose, it'll be my fault. But because we're talking. (laughs) um, You break your rule a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll bend a little bit here. I do think that they'll win the game on Sunday. And I think that maybe they'll score 31. Giants will score maybe 20. 31 to 20. And by the way, I do predictions every week and we're, we're nine and four. So I think we're okay. I think we're good to do predictions. 
All right. I, I, hey, I'll blame you then if I'm wrong. Yeah, just blame me. That's fine. I'll be the scapegoat. Um, I, I have a similar score. I, I wrote it down before you predicted yours. I have 38-17 Browns. I, I, I think the Browns are going to get up early. 14 points, 17 points. I think they're going to do that fairly quickly. And then it's just going to be downhill from there. And I think it's going to force the Giants to pass the ball, which, you know, Colt McCoy, he's a good quarterback, but he's a backup for a reason. He's going to make some mistakes. And I think our defense is going to show up. I think they were embarrassed somewhat, uh, you know, with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson embarrasses a lot of defenses in the National Football League. But I think our defense does have a sense of pride. We get Denzel back. Um, Miles Garrett, I think he's going to have a big day. You know, Ogan Joby, Olivier Vernon, I think our front four is going to have a field day on, on Sunday night. And let's point out, too, I haven't really read on Twitter or seen too many people talk about this. This is a, a almost a go-home game for Vernon. He's playing his old team. Yeah, yeah. And so, he, and he's been playing great anyway. And he's, he's, I think I read something today that in the second half of the season, he's had something like seven sacks or something like that, or five sacks, whatever the number was. He's, he's played great in the second half. Um, him being under the bright lights, Sunday night, old team, he knows that people are going to be watching him. He's another one of those guys. He's like the chub of the defense. Maybe not with the execution because he doesn't make the impact every game Chubb does, but he just shows up. He doesn't talk. He does his work and grinds. And um, he's going to want to get back there and get himself a couple uh, against his old team. And, of course, we have Jabril Peppers over there. Um, you know, the, the one play that I – Jabril Peppers, I like that player. And I was sad to see him go. I really was. But the, the, the one play that I remember from his career in the Cleveland Browns was against the Denver Broncos. I think it was the last play of the game. He does a blitz, a safety blitz, and, and sacks the quarterback to seal the victory. That was an awesome play. I, I love Jabril Peppers. I, you know, I want him to do good in New York, just not this week. <laughs> right. <laughs> and my pal, he's Matt, he's been very pleased with the way he's played this year. Says he's been great. Oh, yeah. Um, and, he, and he's seen how he's play, he played for us when Greg Williams would line him up, you know, 75 yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, so he's being used the way he should be by the Giants. And uh, I'm very happy for him. I hope he has all the success in the world except for this week when he lets a big touchdown go to Jarvis or Hollywood or somebody else. Somebody else. And, of course, we have our old friend Freddie Kitchens as the tight ends coach for the, for the New York Giants. So that's going to be interesting. How many times – what's the over-under on how many times the camera pans on him during the game? What do you say to that, three, two? I'd say at least three. Um, at least three? So would you yeah. take the over or under that? I'll take the over. I'll set it at three and take the over. Uh, it, he, he's a, he's a likable person. So, yeah. right. So let's just take the football out of it. Cause if we're, if we're equating him as an, as a head coach, I, I, I don't like him as a person. I got to, I ran into him in a hotel here in Rhode Island, the visiting teams when they go to the Patriots uh, and play here in new England, they stay at a hotel downtown so my wife and I, we went in and we just kind of scoped the place out. And he happened to walk by last year. And I said, 
hey, coach, give him hell tomorrow. And he said, oh, we're going to try. Don't you worry about that. Couldn't have been kinder, you know, uh -huh. stopped. Um, but I, I think they are going to definitely show them, definitely talk about it. And I read, I think this morning, they had asked him either yesterday or today, something about what do they think of, what does he think about the Browns having the success they've had this year? And his answer was, well, no two teams are different. And my response to that is, yeah, no kidding. You're not the head coach. We've got a completely head co different head coach. Yeah. How would, how would we be the same? Um, you know, I, I, w I wish him all the best, but. Just not Sunday. No, no, not no. at all. Yeah. I mean, he brought whoopty hell to Brown's Twitter. I mean, <laughs> how good is that? I know. <laughs> it's the gift that, and you know what really bothers me about him is, you know that orange dog pound hoodie he always wore? I have one. I own one. It's in my closet. Love it. So, so do I, and I love it. But I have, I, I have to tell, people see it and they go, oh, that's the kitchen's hoodie. <laughs> no, it's not the kitchen's hoodie. It's the Browns hoodie that kitchens wore. Yeah. So, so, so he stole something I really liked. I wear it all the time, man. I love that orange hoodie. And honestly, I haven't been thinking, I don't think about Freddie Kitchens when I put it on anymore. I used to, but uh, yeah, I, I love that hoodie. Yeah, me too. Well, Ryan, this was a lot of fun, man. So you got us winning 31 to 20. With Brown's victory, we would move to uh, 10 and four, right? And I have us winning 38 to 17 which would also move us to 10 and four and in complete control of the playoffs. So this is, this is the game right here. I, I, you know, I, I said this on Twitter. Um, I think it was Monday night late after the game. This, this is going to be the third most important game of the year in a row for the Browns. You know, you had the, the Tennessee Titans was the most important game of the year. Then you had the Baltimore Ravens, the most important game of the year. And now this game, because we didn't take care of Baltimore, this game now becomes the most important game of the year for your Cleveland Browns. And I'm excited. Me too. This is what, I, what we've all been waiting for. And it's a shame that we can't all be there to cheer them on. It bothers me every week when, you know, when I tune in and say, oh, this is another game I was supposed to be at. This was another game I was supposed to be. This weekend, my, my buddy and his wife and, my wife and I, we were all supposed to go down. You know, the four of us, we were going to split the colors, orange and brown on one side and a giant's blue on the other side. And we're not going. We can't watch it together. But you can bet that we'll be uh, checking in with one another and um, enjoying our teams in prime time. Absolutely, buddy. We'll, we'll all be in our living rooms. There's no fans in the stands in New York, right? Right. It's going to be completely empty. So, Home crowd, hometown, uh, you know, home field advantage is uh, not a factor in this game. And how sad is it that we don't have OBJ playing in this game? Oh, you don't oh. think he had this game circled? Oh, I, I know I did for that I, reason. I, I did too, and so did Giants fans. Everybody had, the, you know, anybody who cared about this game had it circled. Oh, man. And, and it, it would have been a lot of fun and all the more reason to flex, but it just shows – how good the Browns are, even without OBJ, this game was flexed into prime time. Yeah, it's going to be a great game, man. Uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, Sunday night football 
let's let's change the narrative. Let's let's get the Browns winning on prime time because I have a feeling that next year and the years to come, like it or not, I mean, we all love our Sunday one o'clock games. I really do. I love Sunday one o'clock games, but like it or not, the Browns are going to be in primetime football games. That's just all there is to it. So we might as well get used to it. We might as well get comfortable with it. And we might as well take advantage and win these football games when they're under the spotlight and everybody's watching. You bet. When they're flexing the Cowboys and 49ers out of primetime for the Cleveland Browns, you know the needle's pointing up. And you know it's still 2020. Well, Ryan, this was a lot of fun, man. This is the part of our show where I like to give the guests a chance to to give themselves a plug. You know, where can listeners find you on social media? Uh, So I tweet um, not not as often as other members of Brown's Twitter, but it's uh, at Ryan J underscore Crowley on Twitter. Um, I try to keep it mostly Brown's, but few professional tweets sneak in there and some other random thoughts that float through my head. I stay away from politics because that gets you in trouble. It. Yeah, I, I gets you in trouble and I read enough of that from other people. So uh, I, it's it's football, cats, family, and fun. There you go. Well, Ryan, this was a lot of fun, man. I can't wait till because we're gonna do this right we're gonna get together at another cleveland browns home football game hopefully next year if not the year after that but definitely we're gonna have to get together at top dog tailgate once again with you and and other browns twitter fans but this was a pleasure man i really enjoyed you having you know you you coming on the show and uh, let's do it again soon you bet can't wait well i like to end all my podcasts with the go browns so one two three Go Browns!